Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, the New York Knicks knocking off the Chicago Bulls 104-103 in a game, Alex, that was probably a little closer than it should have been down the stretch. Yeah, they uh, it, things were looking pretty easy for them for about the first 46, 45 minutes, something like that. And they were comfortably leading by double digits. And then suddenly the Bulls exploded late. This turned into a one-point game with uh, DeMar DeRozan with a chance to win it for the Bulls. He does not make the final shot, and the Knicks walk away with a win. Plenty to talk about in this game, including a really well-rounded Julius Randle game where he struggled to score the ball a little bit, uh, a great Kemba Walker game, and a great R.J. Barrett game. So lots of good things to talk about all around. Next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Thompson tucks left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. It's tough. And he makes it. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, and we wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen each and every day. We are now available on all the platforms, including, as those of you who are seeing me say this, on YouTube. You already knew that. Uh, I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, unfortunately getting into my busy season, so I will be a little absentee the next month on the podcast. But picking up the slack, as he always does, is the great Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland and also the Knicks beat writer for Clutch points, and Alex, I'm sure, a lot to write about tonight as the Knicks barely escape in Chicago, a 104-103 win. We, we hyped this game up, and in a lot of ways, it didn't really live up to the hype. Because for like 90% of the game, it looked like the Knicks were pretty clearly the better of the two teams, whether it was just really good defense or it was um, that, that injured finger. Uh, Zach Levine didn't look quite 100% to me, and without him looking quite 100%, the Bulls just seemed sort of lackluster. Not that the Knicks played like a bad game, but they didn't really have to play their A-plus game, and it felt like they were just going to cruise into a win. And then things started going really bad late. Uh, Julius Randle missed a wide-open putback. Nikola Vucevic hit a three. Kemba Walker forced a really tough shot. Uh, Zach Levine comes down and gets a dunk at the other end. Julius Randle, after the Knicks are barely able to get it in, um, they have to call timeout. They nearly throw it away. Julius Randle misses two free throws. DeMar DeRozan comes back down. Fantastic switch by R.J. Barrett. Fantastic help by Mitchell Robinson. DeRozan airballs the shot, the Knicks escape, and win the game. But what what are your thoughts on this one? Because it sort of it sort of left me feeling like kind of like, eh. And like I felt like I should have felt better that the Knicks knocked off, uh, I, I think, the last undefeated team in the NBA. Or no, the Warriors, the second last undefeated team in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I also sort of have some mixed emotions about it. I wish that they would have closed this game better. But... You know, you can chalk that up to a number of things, I think. You know, the Knicks are still learning how to play together. They're still, you know, they were in the Bulls building on a night when they wanted it to be a big deal, that it was Joakim Noah night and all this other stuff, which, by the way, kind of hilarious that the Knicks managed to squeak out a win on Joakim Noah night in Chicago. Just That's called healing. That's called healing. Yeah, the only the only thing that they've got on Joakim Noah right now. Yeah. Is, uh, is this win, other than the, like, $7 million they're still paying him to sit in Chicago tonight. Um, but, like, I mean, yeah, I ultimately my, my thoughts on this is a win's a win. 
we're not going to look back on this and be like, like later on in this season, if the Knicks are like, I don't know, like let's say that they keep up this this torrid pace that they're on and they're like 30 and 10, or uh, I guess to make it the exact halfway point, let's say they're like 31 and 10 or something like that, like something crazy. We're not going to look back on this and be like, oh, but remember when they almost blew it against the Bulls? We're just going to remember, well, they won. And that's all that matters. And sometimes that's all that it takes. I mean, they did crumble a bit down the stretch, which is disappointing. But if we've seen anything from this team, it's that they, they're pretty good at learning from mistakes. And that goes back to last year, too. That's not like a new thing just for this year. It's a, it's a Tibbs thing. You know, it's an accountability thing where he, he's very good at pointing out what the team is doing wrong and getting them to fix it almost in real time. Um, I would say, like, I would more remember this game for the moments before that torrid last few minutes when the Bulls almost won it. Uh, you know, if they obviously if they would have won it, then it would have gone down as a heartbreaker. Uh, but I, as of now, I kind of just I'm like, you know what? Let's just look at the positives. Like Kemba Walker playing like Kemba Walker. I mean, I said like I felt like the game the other day was a little more laborious for him. Like I felt like he had to really. He it looked like he was trying to bust out of a slump, and he did but it, it looked like it wasn't easy for him to bust out of the slump. Whereas in this game, he kind of just looked to me like effortlessly good Kemba again. Um, like what you would have expected out of him, you know, to just be able to kind of walk in and and be Kemba Walker and score 20 points because that's just what Kemba Walker does uh, and not have it be like a big deal. Um, and then, you know, RJ Barrett finding his footing a bit. I, I think that he did really great with finishing on the inside and, um, you know, his, his three point shot wasn't really there. So it was nice to see him score 20 points in a game where he was only one of three from three. And then Randall, I think really, I mean, he had the greatest impact of any Nick on this game, even though he, I think he was the fourth highest scorer on the team tonight. Uh, maybe the third, maybe I'm mistaken there. Let's see one, two. Yeah. He's the third highest scorer, but only one point more than Derek Rose only had 13 and shot three of 11, but his, his fingerprints were all over this game with his nine assists. And just the way that he was getting those, where he was really bending the defense, had this one sequence where he had three just like gorgeous cross-court baseline passes that he made in a row that are the ones that we talk about being like LeBron-esque, you know, like that's like the only guy that tends to make those passes normally. And Randall was just flinging them like three straight possessions, two of which ended in Fournier threes. And it was just, it was a good night overall. Uh, I'm willing to overlook the the collapse in favor of the bigger picture, which is the Knicks are four and one. They're first in the East right now, albeit early in the season. And they they looked for 90% of this game like a much better team than the Bulls, who prior to this game, like we were talking about earlier, had looked pretty good themselves. So I, I think this is a pretty big win for the Knicks. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I think, again, it says something that the Knicks on not their best night could beat an undefeated team. And it was a Bulls team that maybe it came late, but they certainly played with some spirit down the stretch and looked like they absolutely wanted this one. And we saw, again, the, the brilliance of the Knicks is, like, with all that balance, like, you don't need everyone shooting well on the same night. Like, Kemba could get hot. RJ could get hot on some of those little, like, floaters slash, like, hook shots that he was making going across the lane. Um, and then you don't really need Julius to have a great night. You don't really need anyone off the bench to have a great night. Like, maybe maybe I'm missing something. Like, I'm not looking at the box score right now. But if memory serves, yeah, I mean, Taj Gibson was, was fine. Derrick Rose was, was pretty good. Um, but – no one really went off and the Knicks still beat an undefeated team. It, it's, it's a new baseline for New York that we could have anything negative to say after a game like this. And that's pretty exciting. 
I want to go a little deeper on Kemba because I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with what we've seen from him so far. I think I'm a little worried about the lack of stuff at the rim. Like the one time he got all the way to the basket, he like I think he overpenetrated and hit like the downside of the uh, backboard. Maybe maybe drew a foul one other time, but that just seems to be a real lacking part of his game. And I know Alex Caruso is like a legitimately elite perimeter defender, but absolutely locked Kemba up when Kemba tried to just break him down with the space floor near the end of the game. The flip side of that is Kemba came into this game shooting better than 50% from three. And obviously that number is only going to go up after he went five for six tonight. And and that, I mean, his shot just looks so smooth, so effortless. Like it looked like, I mean, obviously this is the sacrilegious name to bring up, but it looks Steph-esque tonight. Like it was just, it was just easy. And, and he even had the one at the end of the shot clock where this is like a Steph signature, like didn't really have proper form. Like footwork was all out of whack and it just, it didn't matter. Like he, he was, he was in such a rhythm that he could still hit it. So I find it, interesting looking at those both sides of Kemba Walker and I'm wondering what happens if the three-point shot because you know at some point this year it's going to stop falling at quite the same rate does he have a counterbalance and this is someone who obviously came into the league known primarily for his breakdown ability but at this point in his career like can he can he flip the switch can he can he still do that can he get to the line eight times when when the free throws or when the three-point shot isn't working I'm not sure but I think that is a very important question to ultimately determining the next ceiling yeah, I, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm not, I'm still not ringing the alarm just yet because we are only five games into an 82 game season. Yeah. But I, but I do think, and, and I mean, actually, I mean, I really got to give the Bulls credit. Like, we were kind of talking earlier uh, when we were previewing. Like, I definitely have my doubts of like, are the Bulls really legit on defense? And this game, I, I'm pretty, pretty hard pressed to say they're not like legit on defense. It's really weird because I, I thought they were just going to be terrible this year. And even the preseason, you know, defensive wise, they didn't look that strong. But I mean, they, the Knicks were just the Knicks, which is, you know, a strong offensive team for most of this. But like the Bulls really with with some of those guys that they signed, especially Lonzo and Caruso. I mean, they really have an ability to to get after it on defense. Um, so, you know, I think that it certainly didn't help Kemba's case that he had guys like that on him throughout this game because um, those are legitimately good to great defenders. Um, I don't know. We had someone in our YouTube comments earlier that's, I think, a Bulls fan saying that he already thinks Lonzo is maybe defensive player of the year, first team all defense material. I don't know if I'm quite going that far, but they're certainly more than capable uh, of really disrupting what a primary ball handler on the other team wants to do. I guess my question for you, Gavin, would be this, like, and then maybe we can jump to our first break afterwards, or maybe we can leave it on a cliffhanger. I could ask the question yeah, and then we can go to yeah. our first break. So my question for you when we get back after the break is, does it even matter necessarily if Kemba is a little bit cooked with finishing on the inside, considering that we saw in this game alone, his pick and roll and lob passing ability to Mitch is so good that that can essentially almost serve as his as his attempt at the rim in a way because he still has that power to draw the defenders in but then has the guile to put it in Mitchell Robinson's vicinity and have Mitch just hammer home so if he can do that does it even matter that much if he's not as great of a finisher around the rim anymore but we'll we'll hold that thought because we got to quickly let everybody know that today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about Rock Auto before on the podcast, but let me remind you again, 
you know, when you go to a brick and mortar auto parts store, it's never a fun experience. You go there, you get asked a ton of questions that you don't know the answer to. They order the part for you and tell you it'll be there in like a number of days. You got to come back to their store to pick it up. And then when you go there to pick it up, you get the final bill. And by the time all said and done with all the time and the money and everything else you put into this, you may as well have just gone to a mechanic and got your car fixed. It takes all the fun out of doing it yourself and the cost savings, you know, which is obviously the only reason that mo a lot of people fix their own car. It's just to save money. So, I mean, that's where rockauto.com comes in. Why would you want to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or a car dealership? Plus, Rock Auto is a family-owned business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So you know they're going to take care of you and get you the parts you need and you know, not make you have to put up with the fuss of dealing with one of those chain auto parts stores. Uh, so if you want to check out what's available for your car truck, go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available. And if uh, you decide to pick something up, right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. We're back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this year. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, and with that, we are back on Locked On Knicks. We wanted to thank you once again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We are now on all platforms, including, and you know this if you're watching us now, on YouTube. Um, to answer the cliffhanger, Alex, I, I do I do think it matters um, if Kemba Walker has that breakdown ability, more so in the playoffs than in the regular season, because I think the Knicks are probably going to be a top eight-ish offense in the regular season, regardless, maybe even higher than that. Like there's just there's just enough there collectively. Playoffs things slow down, um, and you need uh, isolation bucket getters. And right now, I mean Julius Randle, you can be pretty confident that he can get the job done, um, even though he hasn't shown it in the playoffs yet, obviously. Evan Fournier, to some extent, I think fits the mold of someone who can do that. RJ Barrett, if he continues to make progress, potentially could do that. But Kemba Walker, I think, was supposed to be the guy next to Julius Randle on this team who could get that done. And now I wonder if, if Derek Rose is maybe more so that guy at that position. And and even though he's a year or two older than Kemba, he like just seems to have a little more juice and like a couple of great drives in this game. Um, like one of them where just absolutely bullied Caruso, went right up into his body and finished um, I guess I'll, I'll throw this back to you, Alex, and this is a question for far down the road, but if you had to bet, I'll, I'll throw a million dollars on the line. Uh, who plays more fourth quarter minutes in the postseason, Kemba Walker or Derrick Rose? Uh, who would you say? Wow. A million dollars on the yeah. line. Who's uh, who's putting this up? Is it Joakim Noah? Yeah, Joakim Noah is throwing this up. And, and the All good right. news is, yeah, you could you could theoretically only do locked on Knicks like two or three times a week if you get that kind of money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh if it's Joakim Noah's money, all the better, um, yes. especially after tonight. Um, ooh, I, you know, I think it would probably be Derrick Rose. I, you know, I know okay. that's a, I know yeah, it's I think that kind of answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, but I, I mean, I think that there are other factors at play there, right? You know, yeah. there's, in addition to just their level of play, I think there's just Tibbs loves and trusts Derrick Rose with his life. I think there was a, 
I I don't know. I didn't see where this was reported from, so I don't know if it's legit or not. But I think I saw something that Tibbs is going to be one of uh, D Rose's uh, groomsmen, or maybe even his best man in his wedding. Oh wow! Like that's already been Rose announced that or something. Like I don't know if that's BS or not, but I would not be surprised. Is the point uh, because those two are so tight and like you know they've been doing this together for years. Uh, so I, I think that I would I would not be surprised at all if Rose was, you know, closing out games in the postseason. I also wouldn't be totally surprised if both of them were out there potentially. I mean, the only thing is, is that that means that one of Fournier or RJ is the odd man out, uh, which I, I don't think it would be controversial, you know, if, if that's just how the game flow is working. Um, and if you really needed some buckets down the stretch, I think perhaps like, a lineup that didn't feature RJ would maybe work a little better because he's just not as great at breaking guys down off the dribble. Though I think he's probably the best spot up shooter among all those, maybe outside of Fournier. Um, so, you know, it, I guess it just depends on what you need on the floor, but I think if you needed more of the dribble penetration, you would go for Rose. I still think despite how great Rose is shooting the three to start this year, if I needed a three point shooting lineup out there, I would probably sit Rose and keep Kemba out there. Um, just because of, I think that his ability to hit off the dribble threes is better than Rose's ability to do that still at this point. And maybe that's sort of the difference between the two is that Kemba is an elite pull-up threat and Rose is more of a, a driver, mid-range shooter, you know, whatever that, that you mostly look to lean on as like more of a spot up three-point shooter. Um, not to say that he hasn't been dribbling in some of his threes, but I think that he's gonna, I don't want to say regress to the mean, because I think that oversimplifies it, but I think that his pull-up shooting numbers will get a little worse throughout the year uh, from three and definitely be lower than where Kemba is at, uh, wherever he's going to end up. But uh, I feel like, that. well, all right, let's save Julius for the last segment. Why don't we just real quick, before we get to our second break, get into the nightly Mitch injury scare? Yeah. Uh, I we mean... Can just, we can just make it a segment on every show. Like, we don't, we can pre-plan it. Yeah, like... All right, end of the second segment. We're always going to talk about how did Mitch scare us to death today? Yeah, uh, he, by clown at half. Yeah, yeah, like mascot hit him while riding a hoverboard or yeah. something. Like I don't know. Um, but on this particular night, Mitch twisted his ankle completely nonchalantly. I think it might have been that same one that he sort of twisted the other night too. Uh, so hopefully it's not turning into sort of a trick ankle situation with him, but. Uh, yeah, he twisted his ankle. It was, it was terrifying. Otherwise, I thought he actually had a really great game. Uh, I think that this was just another, just like the game against uh, Embiid the other day, I thought that this was a game where, despite the fact that, that Vucevic, I mean, he put up a great stat line, like 22 points, 8 of 13 shooting, 3 of 5 from 3, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, I mean, Vuce had a great game. But I thought that Robinson did a good job of kind of, once again, proving that this newfound mass is going to be very useful for him. Like there were so many times where like Vooch was one of those guys that was like one of his nemeses before, you know, like would push him around. It was like one of his bullies. You know, there's a few bullies of Mitch around the NBA. There was Embiid, there was Vooch, there was uh, Jokic, I think has kind of given him the business once or twice. Cat, I think has a couple times as well, just like the big body centers, you know, all were giving Mitch fits when he was doing well against other guys. And now I think that he's finally, you know, it's like he's he's back to fight all the bullies this year. And yeah, I think he did a pretty good job on Vooch. Like, I would be curious to see once the individual defended by what, whatever they call that 
data comes out tomorrow, what Vooch's like field goal percentage was with Mitch as his primary defender from inside the three point line. I think the only problem was that Vooch got kind of hot from three, which which didn't help Mitch's case there because he wasn't closing out as hard. Um, but like on the inside, I thought he did a pretty good job to my eye in this game. And it's why every injury scare just feels so freaking terrifying because without him, I, I really do think that the whole complexion of how good this team can be literally changes on a dime if he gets hurt for an extended period again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought, I, I mean, Mitch just as a finisher in this one was really, really good. I think his screen setting is clearly on another level. I thought this was a good catch from Schwinn, who pointed out when he was on the last show that Mitch has not won a jump ball all year, and then he lost this one to Vucevic, which tells you that his, his quick twitch leaping isn't necessarily there. But then you see stuff like, I mean, first quarter, like probably the defensive play of the year for the Knicks so far. Um, DeMar DeRozan drew a double team and hit Pat Will under the basket and was seemingly wide open, and then Mitch came flying out of nowhere to block it and then somehow save it. Um, and then also stuck with Zach Levine one-on-one and got a block on him. So, so fantastic defensive game for Mitch, uh, good finishing. I mean, I, I just, I give him credit because this is someone who, I mean, I, I think it would be unfair to call him like a head case when he came into the NBA, but, but certainly was not like considered necessarily like, oh, he's just going to do everything to help you win kind of guy. And that might've just been like maturity or just like, like know how, but he just, he's rolling hard every single time he sets the screen and he gets the ball like one out of every eight times, but, but you can see like it's sucking a defense. Like there was a play where Kemba just had a wide open kick out to RJ and RJ missed the three, but it's only because Mitch like dove knowing he wasn't getting at the ball. So I think it's, it's very much a new Mitchell Robinson. He's clearly put a lot of weight on Alex. Maybe he's just been snacking on some built bars in his free time. Uh, perhaps that is the case though. I don't think built bar is our sponsor here. Well, you know, that was I was that was not an ad. That was just that was just speculation. Uh, maybe 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 some maybe some Postmates. As well. uh, let's get into Free it. Pump for Bilt Bar. Yeah, it could it could could be either. Um. Anyways, um. Mm, do you smell that? Oh wow, some uh, some vegan chicken parm, my favorite. Is that is that some uh, arrabbiata sauce on there? Maybe maybe some tapioca based cheese. Yum. But the best part that it showed up at my door because I ordered it with Postmates. With Postmates, I get all my favorite foods from the local restaurants in my neighborhood delivered, not leaving the house, and even better, no getting in the car or finding a parking spot. And Postmates isn't all just burritos and sushi. I can order things like toothpaste, yummy, and phone chargers on demand, too. That's because places like Walgreens and 7-Eleven are also on Postmates. My favorite part, when the app lets me know that my food or items have been delivered, everything is right outside my door. So cool. That never gets old. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorite foods, or that one thing you forget to get from the store, and get it delivered on demand. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving just our listeners a little something. New customers will get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA to get 50% off your first five orders of $50 or more, max savings of $100 per order. Just download the Postmates app or sign up online. It's super easy. Offer is subject to change, and taxes and fees apply. Offer valid for 30 days after you add the promo code to your account. And you know what? This episode is also brought to you by Sweatblock. Let's relate this to Mitch again. He's been huffing and puffing, getting that conditioning back after putting on all that muscle mass and and trying to play himself into shape. He's been he's been looking pretty sweaty out there, you know. And I, I wonder if at times during the game he feels like he wishes that he was sweating a little less from his armpits. And so if that's the case, uh, I think Mitch should maybe give Sweatblock a try. I've certainly used it and had great results. You take one of their wipes, dab it on your underarm, 
and it you wash off the excess the next morning and then it protects you for up to seven days with your one sweat block wipe it's really fantastic and it definitely works don't take my word for it though we've got some fans and friends of locked on who have tried sweat block and love it let me tell you about a hollywood producer straight out of hollywood we have a producer who is working on the set of a marvel movie maybe you've heard of it maybe it's spider-man no way home that would be sick uh she was working 18 hour days for weeks in the atlanta heat she heard about sweat blocks started trying it and she loves it no more sweaty production days she even reports that one of the a-list actors uses it this the copy says maybe the green one maybe it's spoiler alert toby mcguire who I don't think has been confirmed just yet, but you know I think that's I think that's definitely happening in the new Spider-Man. Anyway, maybe one of the actors is using it to stay dry on set as well and on the red carpet. If you want to check out Sweatblock for yourself, definitely do so. It's available at CVS and Amazon. It's been the number one antiperspirant on Amazon many times for years. And you can again stop excessive sweat for up to seven days per use. It's doctor created and doctor recommended, and comes with the dry shirt guarantee, which guarantees that it will keep you dry or your money back. And you can use it anywhere, armpits, chest, back, feet, hands, or other places. So if you want to get some for yourself, get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon and CVS. And with that, Gavin, with our very Mitch-centric ad break, we return to finish talking about this game. I feel like we haven't really done Julius Randle justice yet. Although I briefly, I briefly talked about him earlier. Again, 13 points, 16 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal. Only shot 3 of 11 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 7 of 10 from the free throw line. Uh, unfortunately, that, that line was sullied a little bit down the stretch of the game when he missed two free throws. That would have put the Knicks up 2 and then by 3 uh, right before the, the final shot where they were only up 1 and it would have been a game winner for DeRozan. Uh, so that's not great, but it was an off-shooting night for Randall. didn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because with the Knicks getting the win, it's all good with those last couple free throws. But I thought that he had just such a visionary passing performance in this game. And, I mean, I already highlighted the the three passes that he made along the baseline uh, where he just whipped it to the corners. And, I mean, they were just gorgeous, gorgeous looks where he drew the defense in and then just – somehow managed to find the ball around like three people to get it over to the corner for Evan Fournier. Uh, and I think the first one might've been to Kemba. I forget uh, if I'm being honest. I just remember the two to Fournier very distinctly because it was a, it was a pretty cool and, and key moment in the, uh, in that quarter there. But anyway, Gavin, I figure I'll throw it to you. You, you have a little bit better of a flashbulb memory for great passes and plays than I do. So what were some of the plays from Randall that stood out for you in this game? Um, yeah, you know, I'll take the compliment, Alex. Uh, he was he was absolutely fantastic in this one. Um, he, it felt like he was he's playing this game as almost like an old school point guard where, you know, like you hear from some of the greats, like like the Larry Birds of the world, world where they're like, I'm going to score like 50 points left hand in this game or, or, or Magic Johnson saying like pregame to someone, you know, I think I'm just going to get like 20 assists tonight. That's sort of what it felt like Julius Randle was doing. He was like, you know, I know I could score, but I'm going to, I kind of want to get everyone else going. I started off early baseline drive, kick out to a wide open corner three for Fournier. And that was sort of the, I mean, the drive and kick, particularly the baseline driving kick was a key part of his game tonight. Had an absolutely dirty fadeaway over Zach Levine, mixing in a little scoring. Then another baseline driving kick to the wing for Kemba for an easy three. This was my favorite pass of the game for him. Um, he had a, a like fake step back 
and then um, sort of gave like a little pump, got Levine up in the air, and then a little, and then took a step forward, slipped past between him and Vucevic to Mitch for a dunk. Second straight game, we've seen Randall set up Mitch for an easy, um, e- easy put in uh, with a little slip pass. And I, I think the craft for Julius around the basket, like I'd be curious if, if no one's written about this and maybe it was something that he went to more a little bit earlier in his career, but it feels like he's really worked on his like post game. And that sounds weird. He's not scoring out of the post, but we've seen him a number of times just having these little like fakes and step throughs and pivots and they're leading to like easy passes or, or occasionally open layups for him. And it's, it's a, it's a fun added dimension to his game. The underrated part um, of Julius, or or maybe under-talked about, I shouldn't say underrated, he's now shooting like 30% from three this year. And, and again, it, I think very similar to Kemba, where it's small sample size and probably those things even out, but certainly something to watch, given that, again, for his career, right around a, a 30% three-point shooter, actually maybe even a little bit less before last season. Um, and then last year obviously explodes. This year, we all sort of expected more of the same. He has not shot the basketball so far this year the same way he did last year, not just from three, but hasn't been quite the mid-range assassin he was last year, where he set a pretty much impossible standard. This year, getting easier looks. New teammates, I'm inclined to think it's a, it's a small sample size thing, but I would say worth watching going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't want to entertain a world where Randall regresses a lot from three, but maybe he ends up shooting like, 35% something like that this year, you know, and, and that would be fine. I think, I mean, obviously you prefer for him to shoot more like 38 ish, you know, like, I don't think, I don't think I would expect him to shoot 40% again, like he did last year. Cause that, that was crazy. Like that was, and that's kind of the empty gym effect. Like I, I expected some regression from everybody this year, Randall included. Um, and so that's not an exclusively Randall thing, but you would hope that he would even out somewhere around like 38%. We're, realistically, we're only one hot shooting stretch away from him blasting that number back up to, you know, 40% again, too. So, you know, yeah, it's it's just something to keep an eye on. Basically, everything that we talk about now, big picture wise, is just like, keep an eye on this because we can't make any conclusions yet. You know, it, there's no it, there's no proclaiming anything at this point in the season, you know, except for that the Knicks are the best team in the East, because that is true right now. Uh, that's the only thing we can comfortably say about this season at the moment. Um, but otherwise, everything else is very speculative. It's just, you know, I, I hope that Randall's shooting comes around a little bit more. But even if it doesn't, I mean, even if he evens back out to roughly like 35% was where he was with the Pelicans the year before coming to the Knicks. And if that's where he gets back to, I still don't think it's the end of the world because I still think no matter what last year established that teams are going to respect him from three, I think basically for the rest of his career now, Um, because even if he only makes 35% from now on, that's still a good enough percentage with his reputation as a shooter that he'll still draw attention in that way. So I'm not too, too worried about that Um, going forward, though. I do hope that the percentage improves a little from where it is right now. 30%. If he shot that for the whole year, that would be pretty, pretty bad by, you know, comparison to what we were expecting this year uh, based off what he did last year. Um, I'm trying to think who else we haven't really touched much on yet. I guess RJ Barrett. Uh, I don't think we've really quite done him justice yet. RJ, I thought had a really good game was, I mean, I touched on this again earlier too, just like I said with, with Julius where I touched on his, his passing, but RJ was pretty impressive, scored 20 points, eight of 15 shooting and only got three of those points from the three point line. He was one of three from three, three of three from the free throw line. And 
I thought what was most impressive was just his ability to overpower people in this game. You know, the the Bulls, like we've been saying, have some, some like pretty good defenders on their team. And the one that really stands out to me was there was one finish. I think it was in the fourth quarter. Perhaps it was in the third. But either way, RJ just kind of got going downhill and had Lonzo Ball on him, who, I mean, is a great defender. He was getting he was getting really handsy in a good way, you know, like as a defender where he was it looked like he was maybe going to strip RJ or something like that. And RJ like just kind of tucked the ball in and used his strength to just kind of like brush Lonzo off and then get up and finish. And and it was a really, really great finish uh, against Lonzo there. And I just thought that was kind of emblematic of his night. You know, he he just kind of went out there and was like, I'm strong. I can do this and yeah. just did it. <laughs> and that was basically it. And he scored most of his points in that fashion, like just getting to the getting to the rack and and, you know, finishing through light amounts of contact or sometimes heavier amounts of contact and and having a real game for himself. Yeah, he was I mean, he was fantastic. I mean, you could tell that with his shot being somewhat inconsistent so far this year, there was just a, there was an emphasis uh, by the coaching staff and maybe, maybe from other players, maybe just from him that he get all the way to the basket in this one. And to your point, um, it felt like he was able to do that with consistently that like lefty hook he had for what I think was his final basket was just absurd. It it feels like this was a little bit representative of some of the stuff we saw um, on team Canada from him this summer, where it really looked like he improved like, I don't want to say his in-between game. I'll almost call it his no-man's land game from like three to five feet away from the basket. Like, And his package of floaters, his, his touch has just gotten a lot better. That was an area as a rookie where he he got a ton of those shots and he missed a ton of them. And then to your point, the ability to like when there were windows to get all the way to the rim, even even just getting a lob to Mitch. Like I consider that, I mean, that's that's the same thing as him getting it done. Um, and, and then just like driving past Levine for a reverse layup or attacking Levine's body in transition for a layup. Like it was, it was a good combo of like when he couldn't get all the way there, he had to touch to finish, but anytime there was a window to get all the way there, he did. And he got a good shot off. So a uh, fantastic game for RJ Barrett. Um, I think last guy I want to shout out in this one, like it was honestly like very forgettable night for Emmanuel quickly. One for seven, Oh, for four from three, no assists. Um, easily his worst game of the year. Very forgettable night for Alec Burks, even though he hit two threes. Uh, OB, um, had, had one really nice and one where he like switched hands, but outside of that, just, just to run out of a layup, another quiet night for him. Taj, um, in his return was, was typical Taj, six points, six boards, three blocks, four fouls somehow in, in, in 19 minutes. So I, I like, I honestly like barely noticed Taj Gibson out there tonight. And still that's, that's a pretty ridiculous uh, stat line in, in all senses, um, for 19 minutes. Uh, but Rose, I thought, at points forced the issue. Like he, he took a, like, um, like a off the dribble three early in the shot clock, which is not a shot he would typically take. But again, um, just, just a couple of possessions. Like I think within five minutes of him being in, he already, he already had three layups and you could tell he was, he was trying to give the Chicago faithful a little bit of the old D Rose and, and, and they got a bit of it. Like you still see the strength, you still see the explosiveness there. And again, that's, I mean, I guess this brings the conversation full circle because that, that is clearly the advantage that he has over Kemba Walker for the Knicks. And I think it's, it's a perfect split with him coming off the bench because off the bench, you really do need that engine in the starting lineup. Kemba's spot up shooting such an advantage. And it just, it's a, it's a beautiful world right now for the New York Knicks to have both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so too. And, you know, I'll just add on to your point there. I think with Taj and Rose, I think that of all the people that would potentially feel the uh 
the effect of this night in Chicago where they were like honoring Joakim Noah, which of course means by proxy honoring Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson and their contributions to the teams that Noah was a part of that were so fun in Chicago. Uh, you know, I think they sort of felt the weight of the the moment. And it's not like they wilted under pressure or anything. But yeah, I, I do think Taj, it felt like, was just kind of like, I'm going to go out there and look almost like the best version of Joakim Noah uh, in the way that he was playing, where he was just hustling everything and getting all the rebounds and being in the middle of everything. Whereas Rose, I think, kind of forced the issue a little bit. Although it, it it's not like it led to bad results or anything. Like 12 points on 5-10 shooting in 19 minutes is... Absolutely nothing to to be ashamed of uh, as a, a night's work in the NBA. So uh, I think that Rose did a pretty good job overall, even though he he seemed to be sort of uh, caught up in the moment a little bit. And you know you could see when they did the little the little tribute, like Taj and Rose reacted to it. Tibbs hilariously stayed like stone faced the entire time, but I'm sure that Noah, knowing Tibbs, would not have wanted it any other way. Um, so, you know, that was, that was just pretty funny. I'm sure that Tibbs went up to him after the game and had some nice moments or whatever and said, by the way, give me that $6 million back because you cost me some free agency money this year. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I think that's pretty much all I got, Gavin. Do you have anything else to add yeah. to this before we wrap up? No, all good. Yeah. All right. So this concludes another episode of Locked on Knicks. Thank you all so much for listening. We will be back tomorrow to close out your week, a little weekend pod with a really cool guest. Gavin, do we want to say who it is or we want to keep teasing? I, I kind of like teasing yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think people who made it to like the end of the show deserve to know. All right, go ahead. You, you could drop it because you secured this lovely guest for us. All right. Um, yeah, it's the fantastic uh, Mirren Fader. Um, she is the, um, a writer for The Rigger. She recently wrote a book on Giannis Antetokounmpo. And um, yeah, she's uh, one of the best writers out there. And the reason we're having her on is because she recently did a profile of Emmanuel Quickly. That is absolutely fantastic. So if you want a little preview of tomorrow's show, head over to The Ringer, read Mirren's piece. It's really, really good. Lots of fun anecdotes. Good stuff on Emmanuel Quickly's mom, man. She makes you want to run through a wall. It, it's really, and, really exciting. Yeah. And great prep to listen to before the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so check that out and uh, check out the actual pod with Mirren tomorrow. Uh, we will be back then. Until then, be good. Uh, subscribe, subscribe, especially if you're on YouTube, um, but also if you're on any podcast platform. And uh, peace out.